This is a car show, but it's also more because cars connect us to every part of our lives. Families, careers, hobbies, and adventures we never expected. So you should have a car you love. And we're here to help. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Coming in hot. Happy Tuesday. Welcome back to the podcast. Again, we have some cool news up front. We have an interesting car debate about Chinese cars and then lots of questions. It's going to be another hot one. And we have been talking, as we always do, but we planned like half our year in the last two hours. We did. And now we're podcasting. CES is currently going on in Las Vegas, and Volkswagen has announced plans to install ChatGPT into its vehicles starting the second quarter of 2024. They're what? calling it an automotive grade ChatGPT integration. Did anyone need this? I'm not sure. Apparently, it's the Tiguan, the Passat, the Golf, uh, the ID family of EVs. It's coming to Europe first and then being considered for the US. They're going to see how badly it'll do in Europe first and then maybe come to North America. And they're calling it naturalistic communication. So my contention is this. Volkswagen, I have questions for you. Can you ask it about Dieselgate? <laughs> <laughs> what will it hey, say? Hey, Volkswagen, can you explain Dieselgate to me? Uh, uh, what uh, is Dieselgate? Uh. Let me educate you. It's a learning bot, right? Let me educate you. Will it recommend other cars? If I say, you know what? I regret my purchase of this Passat. I, I don't really like it. What other cars can you recommend? Will it say Camry? Interesting. Would it actually suggest other things to me? Interesting. Will YouTubers be able to carry on a conversation while they're reviewing the car? <laughs> is it suddenly a passenger in the review? I don't like this Golf. What would you like instead, sir? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> all right. Yes. And finally, is Volkswagen going to use this to spy on all of us? Well, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, like your this, phone already does. This is the uh, yeah. Yes couple, is the answer. Couple of separate thoughts. First, <laughs> have off, you been spied on? Yes. Well, yeah. This it's is, like a friend, the the FBI guy uh -huh. from years ago. He yes. said there's two types of companies on the planet. Those have been hacked by the Chinese, and those that don't know it yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, but here's the other thing. I I have. We all have. Uh, everyone listening, you have that friend who doesn't do blank. Fill in the blank because they don't want that information out there. <laughs> and I always laugh whenever I'm in a conversation with any friend and they come to that piece of information they don't want out there. And I'm like, especially when they think that certain things in their life are making them trackable while they scroll on their smartphone. <laughs> right. If you have a smartphone in your pocket, now look, I'm not, I'm not saying privacy doesn't matter. I am saying privacy's done. But anyway, I am, but I'm not saying it doesn't matter because it does matter. It, it is an important thing. However, if you are carrying a smartphone, mm -hmm. you are being tracked. Your data yeah. is out there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's happening. Uh, the, this chat GPT is another way to get data. I mean, this is the whole reason that GM has talked about. They don't want to do Apple CarPlay in their cars, and they're going to go with Google integration. And if you drill down into why, it's because GM wants the data. They don't you want Apple to have the data. Right. They, they want to have the data. <laughs> right. So chat GPT in your Volkswagen product is entirely about data capture. Paul, I don't know what Dieselgate is. Well, let me educate you, Tiguan. <laughs> Go back to your mother lords and tell them tisk tisk. <laughs> I like mother lords. Your overlords? Yes. I like mother lords. Mother lords, yes. Also, BMW is bringing more streaming video content and gaming options to its vehicles. Why? Primarily for entertainment of the backseat passengers. Uh -huh. But did looking out the window suddenly get boring? Is that just out? Yes. And driving a car is just so yesterday, right? I passed a woman coming over here who was 100% looking at her lap. She was looking at her lap. 
It wasn't like even better. I propped up the phone on the steering wheel. She was looking at her lap, and I have even to think better. she hadn't wet herself. I have to think there had to be a phone there. Like, hmm, what happened there? I guess I, it's laundry she, day. Seriously, I just she was one hundred percent looking at her lap. Not barely even looked up. Can you do driving games in the back seat of the Seven Series while you're being chauffeured somewhere? Can you How play a noise? Confusing would that be? BMW, who already pipes in their engine noise, you're now hearing extra engine noise from the back of your headrest and feeling dynamics of a car that doesn't match what you're doing on the video Absolutely. game. Absolutely. Yes. I'm riding you're, smoothly. You're turning right while the car turns <laughs> exactly. left. You're really confused. Exactly. And finally, Honda Global EV Series. They are debuting that Tuesday, the 9th of January. So the day that this podcast comes out, we have not yet seen Honda's Global EV offering, but we are excited. And like I said, CES has always become a platform for new stuff. Why did Volkswagen think, you know what our cars needed to sell? AI. I, That's yeah. what they needed. How about you make them really well built for a great price? They last beyond 60,000 miles without a major service. And gosh, they're fun to drive. You and I are already fighting with any time the car responds to, to conversation. We're already fighting with that. Do I need that to be more alert? What happened to more fun to able drive? to speak? What happened to th these cars mm -hmm. are just great to drive. Yeah, it's got a good paint color and a you know a lot of tech. The stereo's and the awesome, and, and you know what? It's got Chat GPT installed. How is that a plus? Now I really want to buy now it. Now I want it. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armor All products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll. Less work, more clean. Terms apply. Winter is here, and that means it's time to check your windshield wipers. I'm sure you've noticed that old wipers leave streaks across your windshield and simply fail to wipe away the snow, sleet, or rain, which leads to bad visibility. Any time this winter, look to PowerClear wiper blades from our friends at PowerStop. Since 1995, PowerStop has brought performance brake upgrades to nearly every vehicle on the road, and we've enjoyed their brakes on many of our own cars. Now, PowerStop is bringing affordable safety upgrades to more than just brakes. PowerClear wiper blades feature real-view advanced rubber technology to bring you streak-free, long-lasting visibility in all weather conditions. Forget fussing around with adapters or sizes and trying to figure out which blade kit works for your car. Each wiper blade kit includes the exact size driver and passenger side wipers you need with vehicle-specific attachments. Plus, PowerClear wipers come with a really cool built-in wear indicator so you know when they have to be replaced. This product is rolling out now, so head over to PowerClearWipers.com to learn more and ensure your vehicle is winter ready. This topic Tuesday is about Chinese cars. The question okay. comes from Johnny FD in Ukraine. He's asking how bad are Chinese cars? Oh, uh, okay. How bad are they really? Johnny lives in Ukraine and is spending winters in Thailand. He's written to us before. He's seen a lot of Chinese car brands on the road, including MG, BYD, Geely, and Sherry. Okay. While he has not driven any of them, he sat in plenty because they are commonly used for Uber and rideshare of all sense. kinds. Yeah, yeah, for sure. From what Johnny can tell, Geely and Sherry's are terrible. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> While MGs look nice, he writes, they seem decent at least passing the J.D. Power initial quality sniff test. <laughs> okay. J.D. Power, did you know that you had a sniff test? Apparently they do. 90s Korean cars like Daewoo and Kia and Hyundai are all pieces of junk. I, I suppose a definitive statement. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, 
were they decent initial quality candidates when they first came out? No, they weren't. And that's the thing. He says, when did Korean cars start becoming good? And I would say in the last decade, we all started to go, wait a minute. Yes, but you identified the turning point, And that was when they offered a 10-year warranty. Yes. And it forced engineering to step up their game. That's one of the weirdest times I've heard of marketing completely changing the technology of a company. The marketing department, whoever they hired, came up with the 10-year... So marketing 100, is driving 000, the bus? Isn't that weird? Huh. A lot of times, unfortunately. But they yeah. came up with the 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty. And then the engineers went gulp. And so did the dealers because now they had to make cars that would live up to that. And that revolutionized those brands. But the reality yeah. is, yes, in the 90s, even the early 2000s, you avoided those cars. And then that warranty came along. And I would say starting around 2010-ish, we, we all started yeah. to look at them a little bit differently. And now, last year, last two years, the Kia Telluride, Kia's full-size you know, mm -hmm, SUV, mm -hmm. seven-seater, has been the best selling in its segment and you can't get them. Yeah, high demand Genesis cars and, and SUVs. Yes. Huge demand for yes. those. So that, that has been in the last decade, but if you keep in mind, they were selling those cars since the 90s. So that means the better part of 20 years went by until the quality got to a place where we're all like, okay. But this brings us back to the Chinese car question. He said, will they eventually be as good as we look at modern Korean cars? Interesting question. Is that 20 year thing gonna matter? Hmm. And then he said, hang on. Do Lotus and Volvo potentially go downhill because they're now owned by these Chinese companies? Remember, he said up top, Johnny said that uh, the Geelys he's been in have seemed terrible. <laughs> that is the parent company who owns Lotus of and Lotus Volvo. and Volvo. Right. He said, "How this is all strange because all these brands are getting swallowed up. I mean, first off, Johnny, I have to give this, this huge caveat right up front. We have not driven these. Yes. So, yeah. so we're talking about cars we haven't driven. So we're also talking about brand perception and what's going on with the very quick development of technology in electric cars, especially in China. Johnny, in my mind, this brings up that discussion about where a car is built. And does the country of manufacture make it more or less to brand? Mm. For example, Toyota has moved the production of various Tacoma generations from the U.S. to Mexico. The all-new Tacoma, based on the TNGA-F global truck platform, is shared with the Tundra, the Sequoia, and the Land Cruiser, and that will be built at two factories in Mexico. But according to Toyota, it was designed and engineered specifically for the U.S. market mm -hmm. that is in their briefing. But Toyotas have a long history of racing in Baja, California, and Mexico. Now, the 11th character of your VIN on your Tacoma will reveal the factory location where it was built. The letter M indicates Tijuana, Baja California in Mexico. That is the TMMBC factory. The letter T indicates Apaseo El Grande, Guanajuato, Mexico, TMMGT factory. Of mm. course, the letter X indicates San Antonio in Texas. That's where we know the Sequoia and the Tundra are built, probably yeah, yeah. Land Cruiser 2. But does this knowledge make mm, you feel mm. more or less that the Tacoma is Japanese? Do you, do you feel one way or the other Fair about point. it? Fair point. Do you yeah. feel one way or the other about the quality? I mean, Tacomas well, are known to be pretty much lasting forever. All of the right? X, all of the X SUVs of BMW are built in the US. Do you think of that as an American car? I looked into that. Most BMW SUVs are built in South Carolina, that Spartanburg factory, that plant builds more vehicles than any other BMW manufacturing facility in the world and exports them to over 120 countries. Does that make them not German? Yeah, you would think that, isn't that a, that's an American car from the South. <laughs> I looked yeah. into the new X2 and the new iX2 that is built in Regensburg, Germany. Okay. So we can say most SUVs, yeah. when you see yeah. a BMW SUV of any kind, for the most part, it was probably built in Spartanburg. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Now, I just read recently that VinFast, the Vietnamese company that's coming on fast, signed a memorandum of understanding to build an EV factory in the state of Tamil Nadu in southern India. Mm. That represents a $2 billion entry into the world's third largest car market. And all companies at this point, they're exploring what their ethos is, what their value is to their customers and where they sell the best and why they're popular. Mm. A recent Financial Times article written by Edward White in Shanghai and Peter Campbell in London published on January 5th, 2024, indicates that the rise of Chinese EVs is going to prompt governments worldwide to consider trade restrictions more than they ever have. Well, yeah. It's interesting you bring that up because one of the main reasons that, and we're talking about where cars are built, one of the main reasons we haven't seen a big influx of Chinese cars so far is because typically they're being built at a very cheap price, which makes them very viable to be sold. And obviously hmm. your expectations are lower. But then sending them from China to the US, and I don't have my numbers correct, but there's a large tariff that is tacked on to something coming directly from China. However, if these Chinese companies, and they're already doing it, if they have factories in Mexico, mm -hmm. Mexico and Canada have essentially free trade agreements with the U.S. So if they get them made in Mexico, they can sell them in the U.S., thereby dodging those tariffs. And they're already building those factories in Mexico, Chinese car companies. So that's going on already. Also keep in mind, this was actually recent news, BYD, Build Your Dreams, mm -hmm. okay? Bring your dollars, what? Yes, absolutely, yes. <laughs> they have actually been in the news recently because technically they are now a larger EV manufacturer than Tesla. Yeah. They are the largest yeah. EV manufacturer in the world and they're only growing. And whoever the, the guy is behind it apparently is an excellent engineer. Some people debate that they think he's a better engineer than Elon because he sees a problem and he goes, okay, <laughs> I'll just go do that. He apparently doesn't buy X and tweet about it. He just <laughs> solves it. Okay, so that's going on. But BYD is clearly the front runner in uh -huh. EVs and being built in China. Will they have a Mexico factory? Will they sell stuff over here? I mean, the way that those cars are going to enter the U.S. is probably going to be via Mexico. Right now, we don't have them. And right now, a lot of the stuff, to Johnny's point, they aren't good so far. And there's a few. There's a handful that are pretty good would, from what I understand. But again... Todd, you and I have not driven them. We haven't. And I would like to drive the BYDs. I've heard nothing but terrible things about VinFast. I realize it's Vietnam, but I've heard nothing but, but terrible things about those. But I think there's another interesting factor here. We have seen, pick your technology, fighter jets, uh, drones, whatever. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. Chinese culturally are excellent at reverse engineering things that work, tweaking True. them slightly and yeah. making their own versions. They've done it forever. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's interesting about electric cars is China is pushing into electric cars where there isn't legacy. They're not fighting. It, let's go to GM real quick. GM has the Blazer EV, and we're all going, didn't the Blazer used to be like a Jeep? China That's has, not what a Blazer looks like. China has none of the battle. The, you know, yeah. uh, Ford makes the Mustang Mach-E, and we all go, Mustang. There's all this legacy. China yeah. has none of that. And as a result, they also, they've kind of jumped over the internal combustion era to some degree. I mean, they've made some Chinese internal combustion cars, but by and large, they yeah. haven't been very good. They've seen this coming EV wave uh -huh. and they've jumped past all the legacy and all the problems of trying to catch up in internal combustion and jumped straight into EV where everybody else has kind of jumped into the pool at the exact same point. They jumped to the place where the playing field was closest to level. Mm -hmm. And now they're building from there, which has made them very competitive very quickly. And I don't think we're going to be looking down at Chinese cars for very long, Chinese EVs for very long, because a lot of the problems inherent with internal combustion engine cars, they aren't even going to ever address. They're just jumping straight to the EV, 
stuff. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. It was also interesting to read more about VinFast, and they actually built internal combustion engine cars early on, 2019. I mean, that was okay. early, early for that on. Company. Whoa, yeah. Way back in 2019, they built those kinds of cars. They quickly shifted to EVs. Also, Johnny, obviously, there's a lot to consider from a geopolitical standpoint. Mm-hmm. But Todd and I, you all know this already. We just want our cars to be compelling and great to drive. Yep. The end. Mm-hmm. Now. There's a lot of things going on in the world. Currently, we're dealing with ships because demand for cars right when COVID hit dropped so dramatically, many shippers of cars retired their old ships that were specific to Mm -hmm. car-carrying vessels. Well, it takes two to three years from the time an order is placed to actually delivering a new one. So the shipping industry is being hugely affected Mm, currently. mm. The prices have skyrocketed, but just the availability of car carriers to be able to transport EVs. Hopefully the new ones have pretty good fire suppression systems. Separate issue. Ideally. What what are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. Just putting that out there. We're just making coral reefs is what we're doing right (laughs) now. We're just, here's the next coral reef coming down now. (laughs) Just helping dive Mm -hmm. companies around the world. You know it. But with exceptions, I think Chinese EVs are targeted towards mostly non-enthusiasts and will continue to have a lot of platform sharing between them. I think that's EVs in general. That's EVs in general. So far. But then I get to the Lotus Elettra. It's built on something called the EPA platform that is apparently only shared with the EMEA. Wikipedia describes the SEA platform that is the sustainable experience architecture developed by Geely Holding. That EPA is underneath the SEA platform. (laughs) (laughs) that unifies multiple Uh platforms. Uh It's more of an architecture that unifies the platforms, but under that could be a sports car. Kind of interesting. We'll see. But with EVs, I don't think any time in the history of cars has the race for technology been so accelerated. Yeah. And that is in in the realm of just battery technology Mm. and building cars. Mm. Because obviously cars are built everywhere around the world. Does it matter that Accords are built in Ohio and Mercedes are built in Alabama? Do you you feel like one is more Japanese and German than being built elsewhere in the world? That's a good point. There's Toyotas that are built in Hungary. And, you know, do do any of us really take that into consideration when we're buying our next car or when Mm. we're loyal Mm. to a brand? Both of us have our choices, our kind of go-to brands. But we're open to pretty much anything and everything. I mean, yeah, take the badges off. Make it fun. Yeah. Thank you, Canada, for building V8s and Camaros and Silverados. <laughs> yeah, for true. That yeah, yeah, I mean, true. Awesome. Mm-hmm. But there's that will continue. Platform sharing will continue. We ultimately want to get at something that is great to drive. But to do that, there's a lot of variables because Chinese car companies making something that's really great and compelling, well, they can't make them for cheap any longer. Mm-hmm. And we want something that is compelling and great and excellent and something worthy of spending your money on. Because yeah, if it's yeah. cheap, it's not going to have value to you and you're not going to want it in your life. Yeah. That's a problem because now cars become disposable to most consumers. Well, and I think EVs have already accelerated that perception in people's mind, except for the fact so far they are really, really expensive. Right. But if you had an EV that was now somewhat affordable, the, the program, if you can get into a program, and I'm sure somebody's going to do it, where you're trading out your EV every couple of years and it's, it, it never feels like it costs you more than 20 grand. You're going to swap it like your phone. If this True. is if this is my True. monthly fee that goes, this is why so many many people lease. If this is my fee going out every month for my car, and I can trade it every two years, and you just give me the new one, and it's just as disposable as the last one, but it has the new tech. This is phone thinking. Mm-hmm. Johnny, will Chinese EVs get better? Will Chinese cars get better? Well, yeah, absolutely, yeah. they will. But to make something that is high performance and interesting, and something that you want in your life for a long time. There's other internal combustion engine cars that we can name that are the pinnacle. I want mm-hmm. that car. I just want it. I, I never see myself selling it. Will we get there with Chinese cars? I, I'm sure we will at some point. 
But there's going to be that balance between customer desire and making something really high quality, but also something that's affordable and but yet worth mm. spending your money on. You All those are continual variables. And yeah. then, well, we'll just pass the shipping costs because they're high. We'll just pass those along to you for right now until yeah. all these new cargo ships, something like 80 new ships have been ordered, wow. not just car carriers, but during yeah, COVID, yeah, yeah. all these shipping companies divested all the ships that weren't being utilized to their mm -hmm. maximum capacity, which seemed like an ideal time to do it. But again, deliveries haven't started <laughs> happening. So shipping costs are very high. Yeah, yeah. You're also reminding me, I think this is going to have to happen for Chinese cars. Let's see if this makes sense. What's going to happen for Chinese cars for US buyers to buy them and some probably European buyers is exactly what happened to Japanese trucks. Mm. The Japanese mm. had a long time trying to crack the US full size truck market. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, the mini trucks different thing, but full-size truck market. And finally, what they had to do was they had to invest in plants here, do research here, do design here. Because let's be honest, the full-size pickup isn't a car that anybody in Japan needs once or ever thought about. So corporate no. had a lot of trouble making a full-size truck because it doesn't make sense. They had to completely change their cultural perspective and build it and make it in the place it was going to be sold. China is not making cars for the U.S. right now. I'm talking about in headspace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. At some point, if they're going to make cars for the U.S., there will be there will be some level of headspace change to appeal to the U.S. consumer. Now, that might just be it's the cheapest EV on the market. You can sell that here. For sure you can. Nobody's offering the fifteen to twenty thousand dollar EV. That would sell like crazy made right. by anybody if it right. as long as it runs for a little while. But if you want to make like we want to compete at the highest levels in the US, they're gonna there's gonna be some cultural shift as there always are on these cars. Mm -hmm. And politicians are gonna get involved. Oh with, yeah. Want this one way and that mm -hmm. the other way and we're we're gonna see a lot of that. So that that will affect sentiment about what kinds of cars are built where and therefore who's eligible for what. But like <laughs> I keep saying, we just want excellent cars. And I feel like all this is pushing on car companies. And you would think after more than a hundred years of building cars, all these car companies would have it kind of figured out. Like, mm -hmm. you know what? We don't really have any recalls or warranty problems because our cars just run so great. <laughs> but the problem is technology is continually being introduced so quickly that they're trying to introduce new manufacturing methods of this newly formed mm -hmm. kind of technology. And then sprinkling AI on the top of that, which I <laughs> sure is asking It doesn't run well, but asked. let's ask ChatGPT. <laughs> ChatGPT, why isn't my car running well? Did, <laughs> yes. Did customers ask for ChatGPT from Volkswagen? Did I can't they? imagine that they did. I Who just, thought this I, was a good idea? Apparently, we have to talk to the bots. The bots have to help us. Do they? I mean, I, I hope for software that will create our Roombas, you know, from crashing it into each other in the house, you know, so there won't be like Roomba fights in your I living room. I have a Roomba. <laughs> and I have pets. You would think, as, and the Roomba's not a new thing. No. It's been around a while. Like you a would decade. think that a Roomba would understand what a pet is and that a pet is a thing that is constantly in motion. Mm -hmm. If you run into the pet's back legs, two things happen. One, the pet is freaked out now. And two, it won't be there the next pass. This is a Roomba. Can it has add, one job. Can we add chat GPT to Roomba instead Let's, of Volkswagens? That would probably be so more I can helpful. talk to my vacuum cleaner? Yes, tell it it did a terrible job in the living room and to go back over it. <laughs> Roomba, you're not done in there. I see dirt in the corner. Yes. And by the way, that's my dog. Leave my dog alone. <laughs> Leave the dog alone, but pick up its hair. Whatever car you're looking for and wherever it's listed, you'll find it with autotempest.com. Autotempest.com brings together results from all the top used car listing sites online to save you time and help you find the perfect car. 
It even lets you compare with nationwide results from Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist, not just your local area. Plus, you can now get email alerts for your search, so you're sure to never miss a thing. You can even price and find new cars from nearby dealers. That's why Auto Tempest is now the official sponsor of all of our test drive videos. We use it to search for new cars or used cars wherever they are. When you're doing your drive homework, you're chasing the next family car, or just browsing so you can see what's available, go to autotempest.com slash everyday so they know we sent you. Auto Tempest. All the cars. One search. Manav is writing to us from Ontario. He's been uh, watching our content for a long time. Thank you, man. Really appreciate it. He said his wife has an Audi Q5, and he just sold his BMW X3. So very similar cars from very, two very different brands. To move on to something new, they have two young kids, one in a rear-facing child seat, which means, uh, well, that's huge, which means they've got to worry about space in the second row. He said it has to sit in the second row without squishing him up front, which is a very good question. Here's where he gets into what should I get next. He's shopping with about $35,000. Canadian. He's considering a 2016 Cayenne SE hybrid, so essentially one year older than the one my wife and I just got. 77,000 miles for about 40,000 Canadian. And then he's also concerned about, well, does he have to replace the battery? Should he go with a, a, a base Cayenne for 35 instead of the E hybrid for 40? I want to come back to that. Then he said, what about the Volvos. This is just a list of cars he's taking out of the consideration because he's concerned. This 2017 to 2019 Volvo V90 or XC90, both of which we like. But he's worried about that twin-charge, do-everything, two-liter four-cylinder that <laughs> Volvo has decided should go in everything they ever make. Right. And right. then he said, wait a minute. While I'm here, what about a 2015 Hyundai Genesis sedan? This is when they were just called the Genesis. 3.8, <laughs> fully loaded V6, 40,000 miles on the clock for $22,000 Canadian. This or other options. Again, he's concerned about his reliability, but he needs some family space. Manav, good news on this episode. We have a Cayenne expert here to talk <laughs> to you about Cayennes and give you guidance on the SE Hybrid or the base 2016 that you're looking at. Well, Manav's past cars include a 1989 Honda Accord EXR, Audi 100. Didn't you, Todd, have an Audi 100? Uh, I had a 90, actually. Oh, you had a 90? I had a 90, You yeah. couldn't even get to the 100. I didn't even get to the triple digit, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was a wee little car, yes. <laughs> Audi 5000s, Audi A6 4.2, Audi Q5, <laughs> Volvo S70, Volvo S80. Oh, you've all oh, He's had lots of Volvos. S70, S60, S80. He's had all three of those and the BMW X3. I think maybe we don't go back to Volvo, even though I will say that I really like the current Volvos. Manav, you know what I'm going to say. I do like the Cayenne for you. But before you just jump to another SUV, because your wife has a Q5, which is pretty much a Cayenne in yeah. different clothing. Yeah. Is it yeah. not? The that Cayenne Macan, it's pretty much all that same family. Two Volkswagen yeah. products. Both yeah. of those do not have chat GPT in them, by they the way. They do not, so which you're better off. Good news. Uh -huh. Is this going to happen to people? Like, I want a car without AI. Like, those are going to become the valuable I, ones. Look, will we, this happen? We've already had discussions about <sighs> how fast screens are... are Aging everything. You start with this, this with a metal shiv. <laughs> yes. You stick it into this slot right here. Yes. And you turn it. Weirdly. Uh -huh. It's very bizarre. The engine, the sound, it starts to make noise. There's a rumble and a sound. <laughs> and you it can doesn't feel the have AI. I can't talk to the car. <laughs> Shoot. I had neighbors with a Chevy like Citation back in the 80s or something. I was a kid and 
they talked to the cars like your door is open and you could talk back or something. And it was like a limited amount of GM voice commands. It was, it was like the, the talk of the neighborhood. Here's the flip side. In a decade, we're going to have people that learn to drive in a car like this. And they're going to sit down and talk to the car and just sit there in your driveway without getting the car started because they don't understand why the car won't talk to them and do stuff. Or maybe it'll talk back and say, well, I think you need to go finish your homework <laughs> before I take you anywhere. Young man, <laughs> Young man. I know how much homework you were given today. That's right. Your teacher uploaded it to the cloud. <laughs> And I have seen that you are not finished. Don't you have chores to do first before you go? That trash can inside seems full, (laughs) and the one out here seems empty. I know this because all of the stuff inside is connected to the internet. Not going to empty itself. Uh It's connected to the to the internet. I say Porsche. Then again, why have two of the exact same Mm. ones? I'm wondering, could you go after something in the same kind of price range? And you suggested, you alluded to to Genesis. I'm kind of jazzed about it. They're very cool. Yeah. But you've had these past cars, you've had a lot of Audis and a lot of Volvos, and you're kind of running home to mama. Yeah, I agree with that. You're kind of going back to home base. Totally, yep. There's other stuff out there that I think you should consider, and I think it should be in the realm of cars, not SUVs. I love the new Accord. I think the new Accord is fantastic. Plenty of space in the back. It's actually pretty great to drive. The one we had was the Touring, mm-hmm. fully loaded at mm-hmm. 38,000 US. It was the hybrid. Yeah, it was everything. I thought that was great. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up because I have it on my list too. But Genesis makes some great sedans like the yeah. G70. Yeah, you can not, a lot, not a lot of seat space. Not a lot of backseat space. The Honda Accord is going to have but, a lot more backseat you know, space. He's got two young kids. so it's, But it's the rear-facing uh, child seat. That's the thing well, that's going to yeah, stick us. That's the it. problem. Dang it. I don't know how big they are as people, but the rear-facing child seat is the real issue here. The Accord has tons of rear back seat space. I mentioned this in our Accord uh, hybrid review on our test drive channel. It almost has the exact same amount of back seat space as my Phaeton did. And it's just like family sedan. Phaeton, how I miss thee. (laughs) (laughs) I I occasionally do. I sometimes do. Mostly don't. But again, I bought a $5,000 Phaeton, so it's all relative. I mean, Manav, you could choose some SUV from Toyota and Honda, and then congratulations, you'll be back in an SUV. Yeah, true. As a side note, I believe some batteries I read just recently for future Toyota products will be supplied by BYD. So bring Mm. your dollars for those. But you know what? I'm landing on the Acura Integra for you. Mm. Can you go get yourself an Integra? Manual? Automatic? Don't care? Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's fun to drive. I think you would enjoy yourself. And I want you to kind of discover or rediscover driving Mm, instead mm. of just saying, well, family, that just means SUVs from now till the end of time. No, no. (laughs) What about an Acura Integra? Civic Si for that matter. Just something fun. I mean, Civic Si is manual only. So what about an Integra? Could you entertain the thought? And guess what? It's right in your budget. Look at that. I think that's excellent. I think the, the Integra is very worthwhile. I hadn't gone there, but I see how you got there for sure. Manav, let me talk about Cayennes for a brief moment. I know you're surprised. Look, you get the base model, and the reality is the SARS, our base one that we still have. Nothing breaks because they don't have a lot of weird technology on them. They just kind of keep running. Like I mean, there's, AI? Yeah, they're weird. There's, there's fewer uh, fewer issues because there's less stuff. So that is the good thing about the base Cayenne. If the, if the e-hybrid concerns you, look, I've read the scary, scary descriptions as well, and I, I'm an owner going, hmm. Hope that doesn't happen. That that reality being the the Hope battery is not a strategy. Yeah, the you battery breaking itself. So you know if that is a real concern. Or let me put it to you another way: How long are you going to have this car? Because if you're shopping for seven to ten years, then yes, I agree with some real concern about having a PHEV. What is the life of that battery going to be in seven to ten years? If you're going to have it for a couple of years, I don't feel bad about you going into a PHEV. 
His only requirement in this email is just wanting something new. Exactly. That's only really the only reason for I, getting yes. something different. And so I, I think, I don't think you would dislike a base Cayenne, but I actually wonder, honestly, couldn't you get, you probably can't, because I think the Cayenne SE hybrid, typically they have depreciated faster than the standard Cayenne S. But I think you would like that car quite a bit. But again, it is in the same basic category of where you already are. I like your Volvo suggestions. We're big fans of the XC90. I prefer the V90 for you because it's a wagon. It's not another SUV. It is a unique mm. car. Even the mm-hmm. V60 wagon is actually really cool looking. You're asking about that overworked four-cylinder. Those cars have had problems. But in general, it hasn't been because of the overworked four-cylinder. Now, the early mm-hmm. ones, I did some research on this. The earlier ones up to like 2015, 16, there was some blow-by issues that they've solved with new piston rings. But any of the newer ones, you said 2017 and up. So you've done the research as well. Most of those seem to be pretty robust. Those engines seem to be running pretty well. The gremlins those cars have seem to not be that engine. We all seem to be concerned about the engine. Understandably, because it's got well, everything going on. Hybrid, turbo, supercharged. Stressed. Quite high stressed. <laughs> yeah. The issue seems to actually be weird electrical gremlins on those cars. So uh, that isn't actually the problem, but keep that in mind. The Genesis, I want to talk about that real quick. The 2015 Hyundai Genesis is going to feel significantly older than the used Cayenne or the Volvo. Mm-hmm. Not just because yeah. of years, but because that era was when I feel like Genesis was starting to get it figured out. The feel of their materials. A 2015 yeah, Cayenne yeah. is going to feel much higher in than a 2015 Genesis. It After looks that, like leather. doesn't feel like leather. <laughs> After that, they started to figure out their materials better, so I don't know about that. But it did make me think about this. You brought up the, the Accord uh, already, which I think is a phenomenal choice. But then I thought about this. Don't do the Genesis. Get a Kia Stinger. Stingers are sweet. Stingers are awesome. You're going to yeah. feel like you bought like a dad enthusiast car with some personality. You've got that big lift back and a nice sized back seat. It's got the back seat you wish the Genesis G70 sedan had. You could put a rear facing child seat in that back seat. Plus, you've got a hatch for usability and a really cool, fun to drive car. So, I'm going to land on Kia Stinger. Manav, write to us with what you bought. We really encourage yeah. you to do, do some drive homework and drive some brands that you're not familiar with because mm-hmm. you might make a discovery. You might say, you know what? I've never, I've always wondered about these, like Kia Stingers, mm. like Acres, like Hondas. <laughs> oh, you had an Accord, but still, Honda Accords have come a long way since the, that 89. I had an 86 DX, so you went up to me there with your, with your cool EXR. I didn't have uh, the 16 valve until later on, that 1992 Accord that I had. <laughs> Uh, memories. Manav, really appreciate writing. Happy hunting. Write to us with your own debate, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Topic Tuesdays, car conclusions, and your car debates. On Instagram, Retro Skippy asks, when it comes to car reviews, do we think there are any ways to better quantify or compare handling? Hmm. Compared to something simple like weight or power, it is much more difficult to search or narrow down cars by handling when there is maximum grip or steering feedback or weight transfer precision, things like that. Mm. It's like wine. Retro Skippy, if the wine tastes good, it's good wine. (laughs) If you like it, it's good wine. There's a major personal thing going on here that that you have to get beyond. But but, but the point you're making is you have to get beyond the stats and the description and you have to experience for yourself and decide what you like. You got to decide what you like out of a car. You got to decide what is your hand, your usage for the mm-hmm. car first yeah, of all. Yeah. It's a do it all. Maybe you you got to back off on your requirements. The handling be absolutely precise and amazing. Mm. If it it's budget that you know kind of makes you force more towards front wheel drive cars. There's some excellent front wheel drive cars out there that handle great that you don't have to apologize for front wheel drive cars anymore. Mm-hmm. They're fifty thousand dollars and they have a Civic Type R badge on them. <laughs> <laughs> You're apologizing for some things now. I, yes, I uh-huh. suppose, but yeah. still, if 
that requirement is that this is my hardcore sports car. It is for canyons. It is for track days. I got to have something. The requirements are high. My standards mm -hmm. are high. Well, sure, you've got some driving to do, but it does come down to preference. And that's the beauty of having many car companies that make mm -hmm. a lot of different mm -hmm. kinds of cars on the planet. That is the beautiful thing about cars. There's so much choice out yeah, there yeah. for all of us enthusiasts to decide, you know what? And you see forums, you'll see people arguing about Mustangs and GR Supras and yeah, the good news yeah, is yeah. we all like cars. You, you prefer yeah, GR true. Supra? I totally get that. I like the GR86. I, I really prefer that. Or, mm -hmm. you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I like those discussions. So really, you've got to quantify down to what you're looking for. Do you like the feel of precision through corners? Do you really like the tire texture and the road texture coming through your fingers more? Mm -hmm. There's cars that some do both of those well. Those are kind of rare. Mm -hmm. And others that do kind of one or the other well. Mm-hmm. Depends on the brand, depends on the price level too. You and I, we talk about this in Price of Fun as well. You, you and I talk about this a lot because I typically, of course I'm ruined by the Lotus Elise, but I typically like steering feel at all cost. And you appreciate that, but don't really want that. You want it just one, you want one layer back from that. Turn the dial one tick. Just one tick just, back. Just, just dial it back a little bit from fire hose all the time. Add a Porsche badge. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. It's very funny. Yeah, see but, where I'm going. But this is the interesting thing, Retro Skippy, is that you can get all the information you're talking about, and then you have to drive it for yourself. I'll give you a great example. You're talking about power to weight or all kinds of other things. You can, you can start to figure out the list of things you should drive based on all those stats. The GTR springs to mind here. Oh, okay? when it, when it came, Godzilla. Yeah, right? when it came out, it was the world beater. Nobody yeah. could believe, granted, it's only gotten more expensive every year, but nobody could believe this $70,000 car. <laughs> you can hear all the Germans cracking their knuckles in the distance. Yes. Like, okay. Yes. All right. But it was taking down everybody. Yeah. And we drove it very early on, and we were simultaneously incredibly impressed and left a bit cold. Mm -hmm. But I know yeah. plenty of people where that's the most fun car they've ever driven. Now, how is that possible? It's not a different car, but those are folks that where the capability of it so overshadows anything else about the sensation, that capability is the sensation. I think I liked it termed best when you said, this car doesn't need me. Yes. I'm along for the ride. Yes. It'll do corners at 100 miles an hour. And then you went out and did it. And, yep, does a corner at yeah. 100. Yeah, it doesn't so it, need me here. It, it's it's fascinating, and I want to feel vital, but a lot of people don't want to feel that. I mean, AI it, will really make you feel yes, not vital. Yes, uh -huh, totally. Ask ChatGPT how vital you are, and it's going to think for a minute. It, it'll be the only time you'll stump it. It'll be like, "Am I vital?" <laughs> processing. Silence. Processing. <laughs> now processing. <laughs> anyway, but this is the thing. So, so what are the things that you like? Because, for example, both the current Mustang and the outgoing Camaro objectively handle very well. Okay, but yep. I find both of them too big and not involving enough for me. Right, right. But I can't walk away and go, yeah, those don't handle well. They do. They handle well. I, I'm impressed with what you've done. It's just it's not enough for what I'm looking for. But if somebody said to me, I just bought a brand new Camaro and I can't believe how it handles, I'd have to be like, yeah, I get mm -hmm. it. I totally get it. I mean, retroscopy, I really like what BMW has done with the M2. Mm. It's dead in terms of feel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But man, is it precise. You can <laughs> yeah. shave a yeah. thin layer of Velveeta with the wheels. Like just, you can shave. BMW is it doing is. very abrupt, Holy very moly. precise steering racks. They dive for corners. Which means you'll find yourself going even faster through corners going, huh, so that, uh, 
I felt like I bent physics back there. <laughs> it's becoming what more did I, common. What did yeah. I do? Like, was it me? Was it the mm-hmm. car? What was that? And so when you find the really high-end expensive cars that can do stuff like that, I mean, really entertaining, but then there's other cars that cost less but are so much more involving. Mm. I like a good balance. I really like Cayman R's. I really like my Cayman. I really like Caymans and 911s. You like Caymans and 911s? Weird. That's strange. But I do like others in there and I appreciate for what they are. The Corvette is to be appreciated and lauded. Mm -hmm. Is it the most dynamic steering ever? But then everything else is sort of like, yeah, that does have, that carries weight. Mm -hmm. Maybe you need to write all this down on a list. Like, give your percentages. Mm. For my budget and what I'm doing with the car, here's the percentages and what (laughs) matters matters to me <laughs> still quantifiable dang it track daily crush you see this from i liked it from alex hco9 track daily crush these are <laughs> cars of the early 2000s the dodge stealth rt <laughs> i did see this yeah this pretty great, great. <laughs> maybe it's late 90s the honda prelude si four-wheel steer and the subaru svx you know what i want to daily that subaru svx that car is super weird and oddball. That's in the same category for me as the Isuzu Via Cross. I like it in spite of itself. You just I, want to go through a drive-through and try to roll the window down and, and bring the bag of food no, into no, the I weird just, window I, and have trouble with it. That's one of those. And, I cannot believe that that car manufacturer made that car. I have always been fascinated by it. I have read plenty of stuff about it to know that it, it has a terrible transmission. I think it's got a four-speed transmission and an engine that's ugh. lazy. My question is, this, this would be the car I would drop inexplicable money onto trying to make it good because I just think it's fascinating and interesting and weird. Oh, we got to do best nineties garage. I know a via cross and an SVX would be in your garage. There you go. So the super XVS would be my daily. (laughs) I think I would be crushing the Dodge stealth and probably tracking that Honda prelude SI that's on the, the tail end of Honda's everything we make is awesome area and it's got four wheel steer. So I think that with some great tires would be fascinating on track. Our friend Shane of RS3 Adventures asks if an RS3 is a hot hatch or a sports sedan. Yep. <laughs> sure is. Well, but 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 it's it comes in sedan form. If you could buy it in a hatch it in the US, then we could say hot hatch. Do hot hatches have to have a hatch? If yes, uh, is yes. the Stinger a hot hatch? Yes. Is mm. the Corvette C7? No. No, it's a it's, mid it's it's I guess, a, it's well, a mid engine car. It's a mid engine two seater. It's not a hatch. Fastback, right? Fastback. I don't even know that it's a fastback. Kinda. I mean, Does fastback imply rear seats? Once you get into two seats, you're into different categories. There are people frantically typing right now, I promise you. Is yes. the Cadillac Galactica or Celestica or whatever that... Celestique. Celestique. The Celestique. Is that a hatch? It has an IQ in the name. <laughs> I think it's a hatch. It is a hatch. I think Cadillac is building the world's most expensive hatchback. It's, it's a big old wagon. Well, I think it's hatchy more than wagon. You know what they've done is they've built, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to wreck the entire Celestique market right now. <laughs> they have built the 2023-2024 updated version of the Vacation Movies Family Wagon. Tell me they haven't. Oh. Take that car from the 80s, bring it up to retro future design, put an EV platform in it. Don't you wind up with the Celestique? Don't you want Chevy Chase doing a sequel in that? Now he's the angry grandpa in the back. Yes, I do. And his son is now driving it, and that's the new vacation mobile. Meanwhile, people are canceling their orders for the Celestique. (laughs) Glad we had this little talk, son. Moving on to Nick Lancey's question, what is our stance on forever cars? Mm. Nick suspects the only thing that would get Todd you to sell your Lotus... (laughs) is if you had to choose between it 
And your family, your son or your wife. <laughs> I've been told I have to keep it so my son can legally drive it. I have been told that, yes. I do think you're going to keep it. I don't think you're going to sell it. It's going to really come down to the financials of, do I get into a bind where I have to sell it in order to get something else I really want? If that car could stay forever, it would. And it does. And we've talked about it before. Because it's a cul-de-sac car. It's not like, well, I have an Elise and the next thing is that there isn't a next. There isn't anything else True. that really replaces that, which is why that's a car that I'm having trouble moving on from. But there's plenty of other things I would like to own. I think it's very difficult to have a forever car unless there really is nothing else that was made in the thinking of that car. I agree to that, and I will add an addendum, and that is the forever car can't continually have stuff added to it, i.e. modding of any kind okay. to make it stay, to be eligible to be oh, in your life. If only I did this, right. I'll keep liking I'll it. I'll keep liking yeah, it that's and it'll good. keep having forever. If you know what? Cause so-and-so company came out with the exhaust and more power and better brakes and more and more and mm. more. If it just remains and you know, I don't have to put anything into it except that's for good. maintenance. That's good. And it will remain at whatever power level and braking okay. level and handling level that it is at. Then it is a forever car. I think that's excellent. From last posting, the Bruce B asked me how often the neighbors come over to drool at my garage and driveway. <laughs> <laughs> Telling you they like the painted floor better than the cars. <laughs> Do they really? Oh, that's funny. Kind of. I mean, that's the people that funny. aren't into the cars are like, wow, what is this floor? I'm like, Really? I just power wash it out when they... <laughs> You've seen the cars parked here, but right? The cars, right? Yeah, that's funny. That's very funny. <laughs> or Bruce asks, are they so bored or satisfied with their Q5s they don't even notice? There are a lot of Q5s around Park City. Mm -hmm. I still see them. It's a plague. <laughs> They're like the high-end Outback. They are. It's like you, you graduated from an Outback to a Q5. It's a good point. Yeah, I see that. No, they're, they're always driving by wondering what's next in the driveway. They're not too interested in what's in the garage. I think everybody's seen that at this point in my neighborhood. But they're kind of interested. If I have a car out that's mm. that I'm washing, mm -hmm. I can't get anything done. <laughs> you also have to live at an intersection in your neighborhood. Well, yeah. So people have a tendency to kind of funnel toward your driveway. It's well, like, true. Oh, what's Paul doing now? But they drive slowly uh -huh. by. I'm like, fill yep. your boot. I, you're looking what I got. <laughs> I mean, it's... it's uh, it's a good way to meet my neighbors. That's true. And I'm friendly with everyone, and it's good. On Facebook, R. Grant Levin said, Don't we come up to the Pacific Northwest kind of often? Have we thought about doing a meetup at the Griot's flagship store? It's funny you bring this up because we have been talking about this literally in the last week. Mm -hmm. I don't know mm -hmm. when, but we would like to organize one of the times we're up there actually doing a bit of a meetup. You mentioned the fact that they do their monthly cars and coffee, their coffee, caffeine and gasoline. We would love to be there for one of those. We are actually talking with Griot's about all the plans we have for 2024. So we're excited to be with them again, and they're excited to do all kinds of stuff with us. So, we, so so stand by would be my commentary there. Trevor Reich says that we should do a mini video tour of both of our garages. Todd, you could uh, you could do a cool tour with uh, with your barn. Cayenne, Cayenne, <laughs> Lotus, <laughs> Cayenne's climbing past wall, the camera, ski gear, yeah. bikes, lots of random junk. <laughs> <laughs> your garage actually looks like it's curated. Well. Mine looks like the family exploded in it. Anyway, yeah. You want to keep things cool and you don't have a freezer, just stick them in the garage. We just do that. At find Christmas a time when you're out of freezer space, we're like, <laughs> well, you know what? It is awfully cold out. I know. Well, it's all right. Mr. McGillicuddy on Instagram says, limited slip differentials, LSDs, as they're often discussed. How necessary are there for a four-season rear-wheel drive car with all-weather tires? He's tossing around the idea of an inexpensive NC, that's a third-gen or ND current-gen Miata, 
but the LSD was only an option on the Grand Touring and only standard on the club, which means you're having trouble finding a car that definitely has a limited slip differential, asking how vital. Couple ways to, to break this down here. I will say this, Mr. McGillicuddy, having had an FRS and a GR86, both of which have factory limited slip differentials, which are excellent from the factory, and I drove them both through major winter weather, it is really nice to have a limited slip differential if you're going to drive your rear-wheel drive car in the snow. True. If yes. you're not yes. going to really drive it in the snow, you're going to drive it four seasons but not really snow. You, you, you've, been, you've said four-season rear drive, but you haven't told us where you are. If you're not really going to drive in the snow, I think you can get away with it either way, and I'll tell you this is why I say that. Because plenty of people have driven limited slip differential Miatas on streets and on tracks with and without limited slip diffs and had a great time and gotten the cars to act similar, except for the most extreme occasions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And also, the Lotus Elise, which no one is ever saying, well, that car doesn't handle well. Many <laughs> of them didn't come with a limited slip differential. A lot of them don't have them. I'm pretty sure mine doesn't. Okay, so the point I'm making is there is nothing that actually guarantees. There's a lot of conversation about, well, this has got an open diff. It can't possibly be fun. Stop it. There are plenty of well-made sports cars without a limited slip differential that are excellent to drive. Hard to drift, excellent to drive. So if you're going to deal with slippery ice or snow limited slip diff, yes. Otherwise, buy the car you like. Last question for me on Instagram, Marvin47 asks about the discussion last week of EVs. Got him thinking, what's mm. going to happen to all the cheap ones? The compliance car specials, mm. the first gen Leaf, the 500E, that weird Mitsubishi thing. I like that you wrote that weird Mitsubishi thing. The iMeve. The iMeve. The and iMeve. I mean, shoot. It looked like <laughs> just the cockpit of the jet put on a couple of wheels. <laughs> That's right. It had a range of like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I could might get to the store. The won't get back. Lights up won't get least. back, but I can get to the store. <laughs> Marvin writes that all of these can be had for as low as three thousand dollars. Yes, with the caveat that the batteries are wearing out. Mm -hmm. So, what will happen to these cars in ten or twenty or thirty years? Do we just spend a couple of grand to change the battery every few years, or are they destined for the junkyard, They're much disposable. like the old generations of iPhones mm -hmm. that have outlived their usefulness? Mm -hmm. I mean, now that you've got me reminder about those cars, I'm thinking about the Toyota IQ and the Aston Martin Signet. Yes. Talk about compliance cars. Oh, I mean, absolutely. They weren't the Signet EVs, especially, yeah. When was the last time or ever did you see an Aston Martin Signet? That mm -hmm. little smart looking thing. It was the it was the Toyota IQ bathed in leather and put with the Aston Martin badges on it. <laughs> bathed. Seriously, like fire hosed it with leather, leather and a nice paint job. Gave it to you as you bought, I think, I think if memory serves. You bought the, either the DB9 or the DB11, I think it was the DB9, and you got one. <laughs> you, you see, you could, this is the funniest thing about it. This is why you knew it was the a compliance like, car. Really? You couldn't go just buy that. Right. That was the interesting thing about the Signet. You couldn't go into an Aston Martin dealer and buy the Signet. You had to buy one of their real cars, and they gave you one of those, or the option to buy one, which is ridiculous. All these are going to be. Let's bring that thinking back to car companies. <laughs> You buy one of these, and we force you to have one of these. What is the garage equivalent of the junk drawer? Because that's where these go. That is absolutely right. Like barns somewhere where we forgot, and we stacked a bunch of something on the back of it because it was just, it was grandpa's old EV, and it's parked under a tarp, and we don't see it for 100 years, and then we burn it. <laughs> I mean, I guess they're good for YouTubers, but... The the recycling industry for EVs is still fairly new. Mm -hmm. It's still fresh and new, and that's still being figured out. There are some, but for the most part, we've seen articles about parked EVs that just don't get recycled, and yeah. that that's going to continue to happen in process. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's still loading. I say we <laughs> status ask, bars like two thirds. Yeah, we should ask 
Volkswagen and their chat GPT. Yes. Hey car, take one. What happens to you? ID four, five, six, seven. What's going to happen to you when uh, when we're all done with you? You're asking existential questions of your car. I, yes. I just want a camera running for that so badly. It's going to be a, a conversation by itself with the driver. What happens to you when when the review's over? When I'm done with you? <laughs> Are you going to drive yourself away? Like. Thank you for all your questions. We really appreciate it. Write to us everyday driver TV at gmail.com. We really appreciate all your thoughtfulness when you're just thinking about the guys. What would the guys yeah, think of yeah. this? And of course, all your debates. Looking forward to hearing from you. Cheers, everyone. Yeah.